my pleasure to welcome you to this special edition of the Clark Howard Show as we continue coverage of how coronavirus is affecting your life and your wallet. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, are giving you the information you need about very specific things about your wallet. And in the case of Clark Deals, heavy emphasis right now on stuff that you need to go through the period of time that, depending on where you live in the country, if you're under a tight quarantine, items that you can have delivered to you. If you're not under tight quarantine, things that you may need as we move forward, we've got that covered for you. Now, I want to talk uh, coming up later in this show about moves by the Federal Reserve that have taken place over the weekend that are going to ease some of the fears that people have about not being able to access their own money. And I'll tell you how that is playing out. But right now I want to talk about the prospect is so many people have been laid off and the best number is we're going to face, unfortunately, tens of millions of people are going to be laid off. And many have been already. It's been very, very quick. And if you didn't hear me say this last week, I want to mention again how important it is that you navigate the state unemployment insurance process. Many times, if people have never experienced a layoff, they are kind of reluctant to move forward with filing for unemployment. And this is a case where delay will not serve you well, and you should go ahead and file for unemployment on Clark.com. I have both a mini guide for you and direct links to your state unemployment system, and then a link to a much more comprehensive guide developed by a third party that will walk you through how unemployment works. But in addition to that, I want you to know that there's a lot of waves of hiring going on right now while others are getting laid off. In the midst of what's going on with the health issues with coronavirus and the unbelievably brave work of frontline workers in medicine, nurses, doctors, hospital staffers, first responders, this is amazing. And with the equipment shortages available, or the lack of availability of protective gear for people in medicine, they're making a life and death decision going in and doing the work to save people. And they are to be commended mightily. But then what about people working in supermarkets? They're putting themselves side by side with other workers without protective gear. And they're creating dangers for themselves. And this is one of the odd things with the help available. There's enormous amounts of job openings right now in grocery stores, the warehouse clubs, Walmart alone looking for a minimum of 150,000 new people and just raising pay rates. I think yesterday they announced they were raising pay rates to keep the workers they have and attract new ones because people have a natural fear of a disease that we don't have a known cure for and we don't have efficient treatments. And so people fear, hey, I'm working in close quarters with others. I can't in my work environment 
keep the six foot distance from others and I'm creating a danger for myself. Lots of things about this with the jobs that are open, with any kind of logistics operation, Amazon, not hiring as many people as Walmart, but hiring a lot of people. There are many, many jobs that put you at a higher category of risk of attracting coronavirus, but the jobs are there. And as an example, we get all our groceries delivered to us now. We haven't been in a supermarket in the last few weeks. But if I drive by a supermarket, I see them very crowded. In many jurisdictions, that's going to stop where people will not be able to go inside the stores except for the workers, and you'll have to do pickup at the store, or you'll have to have delivery done to your house. We're also going to need for us to be there for our older relatives, who it's not safe for them to go out. We're going to need to supply them. But let me go back to the job thing for a minute. The, the jobs available in logistics and warehousing, delivery, driving, those job openings are huge right now because the need is so, so great is so much of our economy shifts from jobs where you and I went to the people who have the jobs to now the jobs are about getting goods and food and medical supplies to others. So I recommend to you that you look for jobs right now. One of the things I read about is about how it usually takes a retail employer weeks to screen somebody and hire them right now the need for labor is so desperate that a lot of employers are getting people from the moment you apply to assign to a shift they're getting that done in two or three days so if your job has ended where you are there's great possibility for you to find work right now and just think about anything involved with food as a starting point and driving or logistics is the spin out from that. And as we have continued to do and we've gotten great feedback from you over this, we are not taking your calls directly. I ask you if you have a question about the economic effects on you of coronavirus, post that at clark.com ask. And then producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions for you. And Kim, who are we starting with? Today we are going to start with Steve. He says he just contacted his mortgage company about skipping payments since now he is unemployed due to the coronavirus. All they're offering is a three-month forbearance, which means, I believe, by the end of June, I will still need to pay all three months back in full. This actually makes things worse for me since I now am facing a growing balloon of debt looming over my family while we're just trying to survive. Are other mortgage companies handling it this differently, and do I have any options? Steve, thank you for asking that, and I want to tell you that regardless of how overwhelming this seems right now, we as humans adapt, and we'll, and you'll get through this, and others will get through this, but specifically on the mortgages, most mortgages now, you are eligible 
for 12 months forbearance and how that will happen at the end with whether you will just add a year to your mortgage and the lender will collect that much extra interest or what will happen. It will not be like you've been told in most cases because most mortgage loans in the United States are either directly or indirectly behind the curtain underwritten by the federal government, by you and me as taxpayers. And there is a directive that went into effect on, I think, Friday, where you have the right now, if you are unemployed, for most mortgage loans, not 100%, people with huge mortgages that are beyond federal guidelines, this doesn't apply to, but that's a small percent of the market, you are eligible to essentially suspend your payments upon petitioning your lender for up to a year. Likely, the customer no service worker you talked to at the bank had not been informed yet of the new procedures or the lender is dragging its feet on the new procedures. So don't fret about the three-month thing at all unless you are in a mega loan, what's known as a jumbo loan, because that dust should clear. Continually stay in touch with your lender. Every time you talk with the mortgage lender, write down the time you called, the date you called, and who you spoke with. And if they offer an online chat format, that's better because you can print out and document what was promised to you in the online chat. Joel? Clark Sam says, what do I do with my 401k if I'm laid off? That is a great question. I'm going to get a lot more of those questions through a cycle of layoffs. So what I recommend if you lose your job is that you move your money from a 401k into your own IRA and use one of the low-cost companies that I have on my investment guide on Clark.com. Move that money over and then you're in a position that if you need to draw down some of the money to live on, the money that will be subject to tax will only be, and penalty, will be only the money that you've had to draw down for living expenses. So you want to treat the money that you have in a retirement account if you are laid off as money that is precious and is a last piggy bank to live on because what you create in 21 is a tax bill on the money that you pull out today. I mean, if for all practical matters, you can't put food on the table without drawing down some of your retirement money. You draw down some of that retirement money. Kim? So Marie wants to know if the economy gets really, really bad, what are the chances that she will no longer collect her Social Security as well as her military retired pay? I appreciate that question. The United States would have to essentially crumble as an organized society and entity. We'd have to get to anarchy for anything like that to happen. And we've been through things. It's hard for us because we haven't had the, most of us haven't had these experiences, but we've been through much worse than this in the history of the country and we survived and obligations of the government were met. So I also 
want you to think about this. Regardless of how dire things feel right now with the coronavirus pandemic and some of the early failures we've had in terms of handling the medical side in the United States, that this is a temporary phenomenon. And this is not something that's going to go on with a full national shutdown going on for an extremely long period of time. And even if it takes us a few years, 18 months, two years, to wipe out the threat that exists from coronavirus, as we get the medical side together, we will have a managed disease we'll be dealing with, and the economy will resume. So Social Security and military retirement, those are things I'm not concerned about at all. Joel? Yeah, Clark Faye says, with everything going on, why aren't apartment rental complexes and private owners in general waiving late fees or decreasing rent for people? That's a great question. The apartment market is an unusual thing. Uh, first of all, the Congress has not been sensitive to this because, well, frankly, there's virtually no members of the U.S. House or Senate who are renters and they don't really understand what people face who are in the one-third of Americans that rent. Uh, second, the way most apartment ownership is structured, the company that manages the apartment does not have ownership of it. And contractually, they are not allowed to do concessions for you. That's going to require either action at the federal government that seems lacking right now, or far more likely at the state or local level, which is already happening in many jurisdictions. The limit to the activities that have been implemented by state and local governments have been very heavily a ban on evictions, but nothing about the money side of a renter not being able to pay. But as time goes forward, as a public health emergency, we need people to stay in their dwellings. Having people suddenly double up with family members or friends is a, is a way of spreading coronavirus that we cannot have, or having people out on the streets, same thing. As we continue answering your questions that you're posing at Clark.com slash ask on the economic effects and personal issues you're facing with coronavirus, Kim has a question now, and who are you posing that question for? This is for Lynn. She wants to know what Chromebooks or laptops are you recommending for grades K through 9 during all the school closings and new online class structure? So for online learning, you are fine with virtually any laptop or Chromebook you buy. There are a lot of them available right now in the range of $199 for, uh, for traditional Windows computers. There are Chromebooks available from various sellers at under $100. So for people who are uninitiated, what a Chromebook is, a Chromebook is designed for most classroom situations and most classroom software that schools are using that allows for the virtual classrooms. They are simply web surfing machines. Students are able to complete 
their school assignments. My son's school is using all Google apps for classroom instruction, homework assignments, and submission of homework. Um, other schools are using third-party software that also works on Chromebooks. And every day, we are updating as the lead item most days on Clark deals, the best deals of the day on laptops and Chromebooks. So we have some that are fancier, but most of what we're listing are items that are less expensive for people who need them for this uh, emergency situation of kids learning at home. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you, your family, your wallet, your health, as we deal with the effects of coronavirus on the United States and on your own personal economy. And speaking of the United States and your own wallet, the Congress is still trying to figure out exactly how phase three of stimulus will work. And I'll give you an update on that on tomorrow's show. Uh, right now, I want to talk about big moves that happened Friday, Saturday, and yesterday from the Federal Reserve that deal with fears of market seizing up in the United States. There was enough fear this weekend that I had three different friends reach out to me this weekend who have money in money market funds, municipal bond funds, who were all afraid that they would lose their money or lose access to their money for a period of time. And one of them wanted to go with me to go over extensively strategies for moving money into various bank savings accounts that would carry FDIC insurance. And then, then after we went through the whole strategy about how to do that, he then said, well, is the FDIC going to be safe? That's how much fear people who have money in reserve have right now. So I wanted to tell you the moves in the areas of the economy that the Federal Reserve influences or controls, what they have done. They have put in place an unlimited bond buying guarantee, essentially, to make sure that U.S. Treasuries are fully liquid, that anything done by an agency, federal agency, like uh, any kind of mortgage bond from a federal agency or anything like that, that people would know that they're liquid. And any SBA loans, that they will be liquid. That municipal bonds will flow as they're supposed to, and that money markets will flow. Now, the interesting thing with the money markets was the Federal Reserve announced that early last week and then reiterated it again this weekend because you know, fear is a powerful thing, and people have been uh, afraid for a number of reasons because particularly people who were involved in investing during the banking scandals and the resulting Great Recession saw markets seize up, saw a money market fund that didn't meet its redemptions. They saw things that, um, what are known as counterparties, where normally when you go to sell something somebody's there as a buyer that suddenly the counterparties 
vanished, were afraid to make buys that they had historically made. So the Federal Reserve, learning the lessons of what happened in the banking scandals, where we don't have actual structural issues going into this, to make sure that they deal with the confidence issues, that people know that they've got your back. The reason this is important, even if you're not somebody sitting with money, is that if various markets start to seize up, that means the availability of funds for everyday life also seize up. On the issue of FDIC insurance, I want to reiterate what came up twice last week. If you are someone who's fortunate enough to have more than a quarter million dollars in any one bank or credit union, you need to spread that money out. If you have large amounts of money in a bank or credit union, you are by nature a very conservative saver. And you don't want to find yourself in a position if a bank does get overstretched and does get taken over by the FDIC, that you forfeit money beyond that 250000 And that's why you want to open additional accounts. Now, if you look at online banks, the interest you can earn from them has obviously been dropping significantly, but they are completely an easy place for you to open up an account, link to from your existing account, move money at will, and have the additional FDIC insurance, and you will get a better deal than you do from a traditional bank. And Joel, I think it's your turn to ask a question on behalf Someone who's posted at Clark.com slash ask. Yes, Clark. Walter wrote in. He has a question. He says, regarding the postponed deadline for the 2019 tax filing, does this also extend the time period in which Roth contributions can be made and counted as a 2019 contribution? My wife and I had not maxed out our Roth contributions yet and thought this may allow us to do so uh, before July 15th. Nobody has addressed that yet. And that's a great question. And I would expect that normally where you would have to get that done before you file your return, that that deadline will extend to July. So the decision by the IRS is not final yet. There is nothing the IRS has said that they've said that you can wait till July 15th yet. Now, you can wait till we get closer to April 15th, and with all the changes taking place in the market, it would be logical to assume that the deadline for 2019 contributions to HSAs, Roth IRAs, and traditional IRAs will be extended, but it has not been extended yet. Kim? Teresa says that I work under the table for a business. Taxes were never reported because there weren't any. I was let go last week because they said they had less business due to the coronavirus. Normally, I wouldn't be eligible for unemployment, but would I be now? Also, would I and the business get in trouble for not reporting taxes previously? Wow, this is messy, Kim. So... In theory, yes, you could get in trouble for not having reported income. The business could get in trouble for that. And the question of what unemployment 
compensation you might be eligible for awaits what will come from the Congress. If the Congress, in lieu of beefing up unemployment compensation, just sends a check to everybody just for breathing, that's the money you'll have. And it looks like, although the terms of that may modify, there will be some form of cash payment that goes to every American and families with kids will get bonus money. Joel? Clark Noah says, how will this new sick leave bill affect tipped employees and non-salary-based employees? That is still up in the air, too. So what happened was the second second coronavirus rescue bill, if we call it that, is now being modified in the third one. So it's too early to say how it's going to play. And I need to explain something that if you didn't live through the uh, massive array of legislation and administrative moves that the federal government took in 07, 8, and 9, Kim and Joel and I can tell you that we even twice did shows on Saturday nights because of changes that happened on the weekend that were so severe about how things were going to work on Mondays and on the following Monday. So we are in a rolling series of emergency pieces of legislation and administrative decisions, and it is unclear at this time how people who work tip jobs will be compensated because if you're compensated only on the base hourly rate you make, then that's essentially no income in almost all jurisdictions. And so some method of compensating tipped workers based on actual real net earnings will be the only way there will be a meaningful amount of money that will filter to people. But we're too early for me to answer that question with any definition. And I forgot, Kim or Joel? It's me. It's me. Hello. So Doug wants to know, I am a solo business owner, no employees. I have zealously guarded my FICO score over the years, but now my tour business shut down here in Hawaii and I'm not going to be able to make my credit card payments much longer. So when prioritizing things, food, shelter, or my FICO score? Food and shelter. You, You need to think about this as what will go on with payments people cannot make is not as important as here and now today. And making sure that you are able to survive and have food to consume and a a roof over your head is more important than that FICO score. And know this, one of the things that will work to your advantage is that there will be tens of millions of people whose FICO scores will suffer. And that means that there's a greater chance that the scoring models will take into account what will be happening with people's scores and, and non-payments over the spring and summer. We are in a, we're in a very severe economic shock but one that is of shorter duration than any economic shock, even somebody who's 100 years old has experienced.
Joel. Clark Bryan says, can you speak to having a good supply of gold and silver on hand during this crisis? Will we resort to using this as a form of currency? I keep physical gold and silver in my portfolio. And while I've watched my 401k that's invested in a target date fund lose a lot of money, my gold and silver remain safe. So gold and silver only become an actual form of payment when there's a societal breakdown. And there's nothing in this that leads me to believe that we're going to have a total breakdown and anarchy in U.S. society. Gold and silver are working as they're intended in your portfolio as a hedge. And that's what they are, is when bad times come, silver and gold can serve that purpose. But as a wealth builder over time, silver and gold don't do that. Now, if we get to a point where silver and gold become like the only trusted method of buying things, we've got really, really big problems way beyond anything that I could possibly anticipate coming from the coronavirus. Kim? So Michelle says that her mom is managing her grandparents' assets. They're 92. She wants to know whether to leave the money in a low-risk investment account or move it into savings. It recently lost a bunch, and they really can't afford to lose much at all. So the question would come, and so I can't answer this directly without knowing more, is what are they living on right now? If they have to draw on this money to live on, they, and it's a low-risk portfolio, it's surprising that it would have lost a great percent of what was in it. But if it has, you would still only liquidate what they would need to live on for the next several months and move it into a cash kind of account. Because if you sell too heavily in that, you've locked in the losses that that account has suffered to this point. It's better to let that account, as much as can breathe, stay and only pull out what's needed for current spending for, let's say, through midsummer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We continue your questions here on this special edition of the Clark Howard Show. And what we're doing is asking you to post your questions for me at Clark.com slash ask. And then producers Kim and Joel will pose your questions for me, for you. Joel? Yeah, Clark, Julie wrote in. She says, a lot of your coronavirus investing advice is uh, from a long-term standpoint. However, we have a couple of 529 plans, and the kids will use them in the fall. 
So do we stay put with how the state plan is invested or turn the balances into cash? That is a wonderful question. So if you're in the age-based portfolios for your kids, they automatically have become very heavily cash-oriented once your children have reached age 17 in most states. So the portfolio will have already done for you what you would want done, which is to become a very conservative portfolio in the year or two before a child becomes a college freshman. If you were not in the age-based portfolio and you went into a, a traditional stock-type investments and if you remained in those, I would say that you need to take a little bit of a hit and move a portion of that money that will be what you were intending to devote to the fall semester to go ahead and move it into something that would be uh, the stable value or cash fund inside the 529. But my best option for you, if you are not in the age-based portfolio, is to not touch the 529 money at all for freshman year and instead borrow under the uh, the college student loan program that the federal government offers and even parent plus loans beyond that to pay because the marketplaces are going to recover and you're not going to have to worry that you've taken on an excessive amount of student loan debt. Kim? Joy says, I bought a house cash to rent. I'm a widow and I'm trying to create income with the money from the sale of my home. I'm concerned now that if there's no eviction policy in place, I'll have trouble getting good renters. Should I sell the house? So this is, this is to support her income. So remember this, even though we're having very large unemployment in the United States as a result of coronavirus, you bought that rental property to have for long term. The effects of coronavirus on the marketplace and on people's jobs and all the rest is going to be relatively limited in time. So we're talking about months with something that you bought to have for years. In addition, very, very large numbers of Americans are remaining employed through this. There are a lot of jobs that remain solid through the era of coronavirus. And as a result, not everybody you're going to be looking at as a tenant is going to be someone who's not going to be able to pay you for the property. So please don't fear the short-term implications of this with a long-term income-producing solution that you have with a rental property that you paid cash for. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. And I want to point out something to you that's become a big risk to companies where we're working remotely. In fact, there's a new report from CNBC that 85% of companies surveyed say that at least 50% of their employees are now working remotely. Now think about that as a shift where historically remote work has been talked about more than actually done. And I think about 
my own company, other than Kim and Joel, who are brave enough to come in to the studio to make it possible for you to have our content every day, everybody else is working remotely. I'm working from my studio in my home. Everything we're doing is over remote networks. The entire digital team, the 20 some odd people on the digital team, are all working electronically remotely. We have a conference call every day at 10 that's a video um, a video meeting. I've, I'm sure there's a better term for that. But we get together that way, and everything we do is communicating with each other electronically. And there are so many companies that have pivoted that way. The problem is hackers sense vulnerabilities, and companies are reporting a huge spike in the number of cyber threats coming in and scams coming in. In particular, I want you to cash is so precious right now to businesses. Make sure you go to extra steps that you write down and distribute to people who'd be involved in deciding what bills are paid and what wires are done or anything else so that it's clear about how money is supposed to move right now because criminals are going to use the fact that we're working remotely against us. If you think about payables departments that normally are all in one facility, bills are being paid in odd ways. We had two meetings yesterday about how to handle cash flow management and how to do deposits, how to do payments. Every business, small or large, needs to be thinking these things through, how to deal with the hackers, how to deal with the scamsters, so that you protect the business that you're working so hard to flex around coronavirus to see that your workforce stays healthy. You need to make sure that your business stays healthy, too, through this time. And here's something else I wanted to talk about today. Not everybody gets this, but Joel and I sure know about this. We suddenly have kids in our homes 24-7. And it's really an interesting adjustment to have kids during a school year at home seven days a week, not getting them ready, bundling them off to school, in Joel's case, preschool too. In my situation, I have a college sophomore who is finishing her semester electronically. In fact, behind me, which is so much a way things are working right now, in my home studio is a printer where she's printing something right now, a school paper. I don't know what she does with a printed copy of the paper, but it's printing right now. And then I have a middle schooler, my son, who's home, and we are reacquainting with being with each other, with work going on, and at the same time, school going on, figuring out how to arrange days that don't follow a normal structure. And so in my case, because I have a studio in the home, I just go close the door of the studio and everybody knows I'm kind of in my own 
sub-quarantined in my studio. But when I come out from doing the show and I continue to work, that's when there's a lot of interaction and we're trying to figure things out. And one thing we've done is we've come up with a cooking schedule that rotates and two of the four of us prepare each dinner. And so I'm on the schedule tonight and tonight is taco night. And so my son and I are paired tonight and we will have a Mexican fiesta here at the house. And we found that coming up with routine is really key with kids that are used to structure. They've got this class, this class, this class, and all that. Now it's so much more fuzzy. And in the midst of trying to work at the same time, you're going to have to, so that you don't all drive each other crazy, you're going to have to have schedule and routine for your kids. And you have to make sure that you are there to see that they're really doing it, like with my 14-year-old, that he's doing his scheduled work and not spending every waking minute playing some kind of video game or being on some form of social chat with his friends. It's not easy. And then division of labor. You know, by us dividing up dinners, the burden isn't on any one of us to come up with food each night. What we're doing is every other night, we're supporting local restaurants. And so we're having dinners at home every meal, but local restaurants that have a set up for delivery, we are ordering from them. And then the alternating nights, we go through our schedule on who is supposed to cook each time. So every family is going to have to come up with its own thing, its own routine. And I dare say, even for couples that don't have kids, routine is going to be very important. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.